And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 343. We're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin and a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. Welcome along to the show and everything that's been going on over the last couple of weeks. Had forgot completely to talk about Captain Marvel. Between C2E2 and the mythology episode and all the excitement around everything and just kind of the general grind, I just really haven't talked about the movie. And, and Pete and I actually did see it. We saw it a couple of weeks after it came out. And we wanted to hurry up and see it because we, we were afraid that it was going to disappear from the theaters a little bit faster than some of the other ones. Probably to the kind of the same level as Ant-Man 2 did. I'm not going to do a spoilery review of it because I'm, I'm sure that uh, there's no real need to. It's not really our bailiwick. I think the overall impression that I had of the movie is that we did like it. Um, it's not the best Marvel movie. It's not the worst Marvel movie. It is kind of there firmly in the, the middle of the pack. Even though the formula now for Marvel movies is starting to get a little bit tired, I think there was enough about the film that made it surpass the the typical um i wouldn't say that that brie larson is an amazing actress i think that she plays the character a little bit flat and i do think that she's making that choice to play the character a little bit flat i think she's a better actress than that so it's kind of a deliberate choice to make carol danvers slash veer slash captain marvel notice that they didn't actually call her captain marvel in the movie I thought that was really interesting. Maybe they will in, in the new Avengers, and she's in that too. Yeah, I, I thought that it was it was just fine. You know, it, it was I, as enjoyable as Ant-Man 2. It was uh, more enjoyable than Thor The Dark World or Iron Man 3. Uh, it's not as good as any of the Avengers films or the Captain America films. I would put it just slightly below Doctor Strange. Uh, and I, I liked Doctor Strange, if you remember. I'm a big fan of Doctor Strange. So, yeah, that's kind of where I think it belongs as far as, in, because it's kind of in the middle of the pack as far as the Marvel films go. I don't think it's the tent pole that Marvel needs, though. And that's one of the things I was worried about. If you go back and listen, I was kind of fretting about well, how, how are they going to prop up the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I, and Black Panther is going to be one of those pillars that holds it all up. I don't know if Captain Marvel is quite what they need to hold the rest of it up. So we do know that we have the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 coming. We do know that we have Spider-Man still coming. Uh, so there, there are things coming that could still kind of save the, the whole shebang and, and keep it all from collapsing. I don't think that Captain Marvel is that. That being said, I think they did a decent job with it. I, you know, there, there's, there, it's a hard character because it's been written so many different ways. The, the book has never sold very well. And part of it is that some of the things they tried just don't work. And as far as this movie version of it goes, I think that that's probably 
as close to a definitive Captain Marvel that we're going to see for this character. I do like the um, the call back to to Photon, uh, to the Rambo family, and to Monica in particular, uh, having been a Captain Marvel herself. They're, they're playing around with the timeline somewhat, and, and that's okay. You know, it's the cinematic universe, so it doesn't have to match the comics. But I kind of wonder where they're going to go with it. And I'm hoping that we see a bit more personality-wise coming from Brie Larson in, in Avengers Endgame. Because that's, obviously, that's the next big one. And that's the movie that everything has been building up to. And it's going to be the last movie for a lot of our characters. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens and I'm hoping that that Brie Larson can really make herself in a more engaging character in a movie set in the present day and now that she's kind of learned who she was back in the 1990s she's had a little bit of time to you know to ruminate on that and to learn more about herself and yeah I, I think that it would be a good thing if they kind of had her blossom as a character, and I'd like to see that. So, so Captain Marvel, yeah, I'll give it a thumbs up. It's it's a decent movie, and I, I don't really have a whole lot much else to say. Okay, so I inadvertently lied to you folks. Um, remember last time I said we were going to move on to something else this week? I was mistaken. We're not. We're actually going to cover part one of a three-part story, and then we're not going to cover the rest of it for a while. <laughs> But the reason why I want to do that is because I feel like this actually does put a nice little cap on the story that we've been covering in Thor Volume 2. And so I did want to cover it. So let's go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar, you behold in breathless wonder. And this week we are looking at The Mighty Thor, Volume 2, number 41. Cover date was November of 2001. Cover price is $2.25, 350 in Canada. Cover art is by somebody named Orbic, who I don't know who it is because they don't actually say in the credits inside the book, but is a painted cover. And Thor is standing on a rock with his hammer aloft, and the hammer is glowing. We get some nice play of light on the body coming from the hammer. Uh, we've got uh, the kind of ghostly, floaty heads of Odin and Loki, Warriors 3, Balder, and Sif uh, in the sky, and sort of this misty picture of Asgard. What's, what's interesting about this cover, I think this cover reminds me of another cover that I've seen. I think it's the cover of, of an issue of Marvel Preview from back in the in the late 70s, probably 77 or 78. I don't remember the issue number offhand. And as you all know, I'm too lazy to go look. So anyway, but it reminds me, I believe that cover was either by Joe Jusco or Earl Norham. I don't remember which. It was a painted cover like this one. And it, it, it don't, it just seems to be a very similar cover in a lot of ways. Now, I'm probably going to go look at it now and it's going to look completely, completely different. But yeah, it just kind of reminds me of that. Um, nice cover. Yeah, I can't say too much about it, but uh, it's, it's nice enough in its own way. And we open up the issue and we are on the splash page where we have the credits. Dan Jurgens was the writer. Stuart Immonen was the artist. Scott Koblish was the inker. Richard Starkings and Comicrafts. Jason Levine did the lettering. 
Avalon Studios, Dave Kemp did the coloring. Mark Sumerak was the assistant editor. Tom Brevort was the editor. Joe Casada was the chief uh, editor. And Bill Hamas is the president. Taking Charge, part one of three. And as I said, we're only going to be covering part one. The splash page shows a montage of the faces of various people. Um, we see, looks like, um, uh, Hildegard and Hercules and unnamed warrior one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, um, eleven. Uh, then we also have uh, Beta Ray Bill, Volstag, looks like Heimdall. We have Tareen, uh, Hogan, Fandral, Curse, Balder, Loki, and uh, yeah, that looks to be about it. And everybody is looking aghast because, as you remember, uh, at the end of the last issue, we saw the apparent death of Odin. And we get a double-page spread here. And on the left-hand page, we have everybody kind of standing there in a big group. And they're looking at the crashed chariot of, of Odin. We see Odin's helmet laying on the ground. And we see the charred bones of Thor's goats. And Thor's um, chariot, of course, is, is all smashed up. Um, Odin's sword is sticking up out of the ground next to his helmet. And uh, people are saying, "'Tis Odin's chariot." Aye, and the charred bones of Toothnasher and Toothgrinder. Could it truly mean? Still thy tongue, speakest not thy fear, says Fendril. Indeed, Fendril, says Thor. Even though the chariot, sword, and helmet are destroyed, it means not what we fear. By the eternal realm, look, says Balder. And he's pointing over off panel, and we have a full-page spread here of a smoking body, and everybody is kind of rushing over to uh, it, and there's no dialogue or anything. But it's a nice little pinup that I mean that'd, that'd make a yeah that'd make a good poster. That'd be a nice piece to own actually, uh, if I could ever afford a piece like that. But uh, Thor goes uh, rushing forward. He says, "Father, breathe easy. I'll soon free thee. Azar, thy son shall see to thy welfare." And he is lifting uh, big rocks and stuff off of Odin, and um, uncovers him. And they, they don't show. Uh, what Odin looks like all smashed up on the ground, but uh, Balder is kind of walking up uh, from behind, and, and Balder says, We, we are lost. Speak us not of death, Balder, says Thor, and he's kind of leaning over uh, Odin, cradling him. The god of thunder is well-versed in the ways of medicine. The All-Father must be saved. And everyone's still just kind of standing there, and um, Hogan comes up, and he's uh, coming up by Thor, and he says, My friend, please. It's time to accept the inevitable. And Thor does not want to hear that. And uh, he, he reaches up and he grabs Hogan's wrist. And he says, I say thee nay. Odin is forever. And he runs up to uh, Tareen. And we see Hercules in the background here as well. And he says, thou art the designate Tareen with power stretching beyond infinity. I beseech thee, save him. Though I am weakened from defeating Surtur. I shall try. And uh, she starts to glow and looks like she's uh, yeah, going to transform or whatever. Says, but if I can transform myself back to my true form. And she collapses and she's not able to. And she falls and, and Balder catches her before she hits the ground. And Balder's like, Hella's kiss. First Odin and now the designate. Is there no end to this day's losses? Because she's obviously dead. I uh, don't think so. Anyway, <laughs> so she uh, falls down and uh, Thor is like, care for her, Balder. Their welfare is not for the healing talents of man, 
but of gods. And he whips his hammer around, does his Ajax white tornado thing, and he is off. And we are in Asgard, and there's a, like a black Kirby crackle kind of cloaking Asgard. Very gloomy. Yes, it's a foreboding, as it were. And uh, we are in the healer's quarters of Asgard, and we have here Nephilthesk and Syra, if you recall, the, the, the healers that we've had around for the last few issues. And Nephilthesk is uh, doing something on an alchemy table, and he says, Remember, Syra, irritations of the liver require gentle elixirs. Hi, Nephilthesk. Many are the warriors in need of treatment. Overindulgence and ale consumption doth. And the voice comes, healers! And it turns out to be Thor, who's materialized in the middle of their, uh, their space. Fetch thy potions! The need for thy talents of nerve been more dire. And we pretty much get a full page uh, here of, of Thor looking very angry. And um, we shift back to Earth, and Hercules is uh, taking care of, of Tarine, and Volstagg is there next to him, and she, he's like, Tarine lives? Aye, though unconsciousness grips her, says Hercules. For the everlasting light of Asgard to lay here, exposed thus is wrong, says Balder. And he gets a sheet, uh, or he gets, actually takes his cape off. He's got a white cape, which that doesn't seem very practical, does it? But anyway, he takes his white cape off and he lays it over um, Odin and he says, Forgive me, my liege. We must accept the unacceptable. And covers Odin's body with a sheet. And Beta Ray Bill comes up behind Odin and kind of grabs his arm and he says, Who are you to declare Odin dead, Balder? Especially when Thor himself won't do so. Only because grief clouds his judgment, says Balder. Surely thou dost not question my commitment to the realm and its king. Enough squabbling, says Hercules. A great battle was fought this day, one which extracted the greatest price of all. Let us conduct ourselves with dignity. Hercules is right, says Bill. My emotions... As are mine, my friend, says Balder, and they shake hands. And we have Thor reappearing, and the healers are here. And uh, he, Thor is very angry. He's pointing at uh, Thor's body. He's pointing at Odin's body, and his finger is so weird that it looks like it is actually pasted on. <laughs> um, that is the wonkiest finger i have ever seen it looks yeah it's it's really bad anyway uh yeah maybe i'll clip it and put it on the uh the facebook page anyway um thy job is clear healers revive thy sovereign yells thor and uh cyrus says but he is covered as though who proclaimed the all-father dead says thor who dared give up hope Twas i thor says balder to see him like that use thy cape to warm him not cover him I'll exhaust all measures, Thor, says Nephethusk. Syra, what of thy patient? She is greatly weakened, a shadow of her former self. This elixir of Bifrost should help. And Syra gives her a drop of this golden stuff out of a test tube, and uh, Tyrene regains consciousness. And uh, she says, Omnipotent Odin, does he live? Worry about thine own health, child, says Hercules. Thanks the stars. At least the designate lives, says Volstagg. Lives might not be an adequate description. Let the horns of revelation reveal the truth. And she pulls these uh, look like um, like ibex horns out of her, her pouch. And um, there's a from... And uh, she's holding the, the horns on either side of, uh, of Tareen's head. Um, 
I like that. I, that it's, it's funky and it's weird and, and I, can, I can see the Norse doing it. Anyway, so yeah, I actually like that. The uh, horns are going from. And uh, Tareen is like, uh, but I feel fine. My strength is returning. Tis not the strength of the designate which returns, but something far less. I'm sorry, but would seem the power expended in defeating Searcher resulted in a reverberating explosion, affixing thee in thy current form. All traces of thine advanced self, the designate, have vanished. Thou art presently and forever a simple as guardian goddess. And uh, Tareen looks up and she does this weird Dr. Strangey kind of motions with her hands. And she's like, heresy, I reject thy claims. I'll prove thee wrong. I command this body to give way to my true divine form. And she's looking up and nothing much happens. So it's just kind of dot, dot, dot. And once again, it's Hercules that comes up and, uh, and it's kind of comforting her. Easy, child. I know well the pain of losing power, for such a thing hath happened to me. Thou must accept thy state. But Odin is beyond help, says Nephethesk. Nephethesk, says Sif, art thou certain, Thor? I have known thee all thy life and cared for thy father even longer. I have always wished the best for thee, never more so than now. My sorrow can be no deeper. The great beacon who hath guided us all is no more. And yeah, so that seems to be pretty definitive. And we shift to Asgard. And we've got this giant uh, procession through the hallways of Asgard. We've either got statues up on a uh, balcony or these are people up on the balcony. I think it's people as they all kind of go marching through here. And the caption says, Within hours, the shocking news of Odin's death spreads throughout the kingdom. Throngs of warriors, the few who survived Surtur's deathly attack on Earth, gather in silence. Each and every one of them is stunned to the very core, for the ultimate of all disasters has occurred. Odin, to whom they've sworn complete trust, obedience, and dedication, is gone, never to return. Yeah, right. Where once the future seemed golden and assured, there now exists uncertainty. A great void of instability and reticence. And uh, they're walking up to this big fire, and Thor has Odin's ring in his hand. You remember the Odin ring? Yeah, that, that, there was a bad story connected to that some time ago, wasn't there? Anyway, uh, Thor says, The ring imperial, borne by Odin his entire ruling life. War is ne'er without cost. The number of Asgardian widows Surtur created, whom we now must care for, proves that we are all victims. And he takes Odin's ring and he throws it into the fire, um, it, that's interesting. Let us mourn as one for all those lost defending Midgard. Foremost among them, Odin, my father, and yours. And the caption says, not a word is spoken. Unified in grief, none are needed. And we see the reverberations of Odin's death kind of scattered through the Marvel Universe. We see Hela, and she's looking at an image of Odin. I wonder, you know, it's not sure... You know, what would happen to Odin if he died? You know, you never... Anyway, Hela's probably uh, lusting after Odin's soul at this point. But we see uh, an image of Odin appearing before the great and powerful characters in the Marvel Universe. So we have Hela, we've got Mephisto, we've got um, uh, Oracle and Jiroder. Uh Looks like Ulick is there with, with the Oracle. We've got Doctor Strange looking through his Eye of Agamotto and... The colonizers of Rigel, uh, Zarko, uh, it's interesting. 
Um, so it says, uh, as the ring imperial burns, a message of Odin's passing is spread across all planes of reality, stretching across an infinite number of galaxies. The news is greeted in different ways. For some, it's tragic. Oh, and it's uh, the Silver Surfer kind of snuck in there. For others, an opportunity, so that'd be Mephisto and Zarko. To one in particular, it signals eventual calamity. Again, Zarko, um, because of the, the raining. Uh, then we see the Living Tribunal, and the Living Tribunal is kind of holding his glowing image of Odin in its hand, and says, while well, another considers it a barely audible whisper, and time is passing. And we have shifted scenes again, and we are back on Earth. You remember Dr. Keith Kincaid wandering into the Enchantress's apartment and going through the mirror, and he has come out, and remember, he's like, who is he? What does he do? And he's like, no, who are you? And it turns out that he is Scourge, the executioner. Of course he is, because that wasn't completely obvious from the beginning. Scourge, thou art alive, says the Enchantress. I am Ara, much to thy chagrin, no doubt. How? Oh, thou died battling Hela's hordes. Verily the witch did drag me from the hallowed realm of Valhalla to do her bidding, promising me renewed life if I did her bidding. And what might that be? The same as ever. "'Tis the god of thunder she wants. "'Thou cravest life so much, "'thou wouldst cooperate with thy murderer? "'Tis not only life I crave, tis thee. "'Long have I waited to, to... "'And as he uh, grabs her wrist, "'and she's kind of shouting out uh, "'because he grabbed her wrist, "'her mirror is glowing with the image of Odin, "'and uh, they turn around and they look at the image, "'and the executioner says, "'Heimdall's eyes! "'Odin's faded image is upon thy mirror!' Such a thing can only mean he is no more. And we shift scenes again, and we are back in a uh, an alien planet, and there's a it's like this big ruin, and uh, we have Desac. Remember Desac, the uh, god god killer, the god destroyer, whatever his name is, and it looks like he's just gotten done destroying some gods, and there's a bunch of people around him, like an army, or I guess that's that's the followers of the gods that he's just destroyed. Um, anyway. So uh, he's saying, uh, Now by the righteous edge of Desac's blade, these false gods are gone. Removed forever as a barrier to your self-determination. What can we do? You've condemned us to damnation. However will we provide for ourselves? I have freed you. Liberation is your, your. And he sees a uh, reflection in his axe of Odin's image. And, uh, yeah, he, so even Desac sees it, and he says, uh, By the word, one I've targeted is no more. And he also sees an image of the designate, and the, uh, he says, And the greatest threat, perhaps the ultimate enemy, the designate is weakened. Then the opportunity to strike is at hand. And we shift scenes, and we are back at Asgard at the end of the Rainbow Bridge, and there's a bunch of people kind of going down the Rainbow Bridge, like the processions to, to pay their respects to Odin and all sorts of creatures. And uh, it's not just gods. It looks like pixies and, and you know, giants and, yeah, dragons and, uh, yeah, all kinds of weird creatures. And it says, uh, at the end of the Rainbow Bridge is Asgard. Normally there is but one man to be found on the bridge, the city's guardian, Heimdall. Today is different. A multitude they come from far and wide, from places almost unimaginable and distances unmeasurable, to pay their respects. And this huge crowd, uh, we have Jane Foster here and Jake Olson, and uh, Jake is saying, 
I can't believe this. Easy, Jake. I know how weird this must feel. This is all my fault, says Tareen. Mine was the power that felled Odin. No, if not for your empowering Odin against Surtur, we'd all be dead, Tareen, says Bill. And Thor is standing on a big uh, shelf above everybody else, and he starts making his little speech. It is the saddest of all occasions which draws us together. The greatest of the great, the most splendid of the splendid, hath been taken from us. Thus do we gather in respect for Odin. His word was law, his judgment sound, his honor unequaled. Without him we are less than we were, as his son, and uh, Frigga's there, and she's, and his wife. We begin these days of mourning and observance. And a voice comes from uh, behind Thor and says, Thou wouldst do so without me? And Hogan rolls around and, at the voice and he says, Thou darest come here. Aye, that I do, Hogan. For Odin was not only father to Thor, but father to me as well. And I would grieve with you this day. And of course it is Loki. And uh, he shows up and everyone has got a cowing, you know, kind of leaning back and whispering and all that. You know how that goes. And uh, Fandral's like, Two arms! Loki's crimes against the realm would fill the longest of books. Hold, Fandral. Loki is my brother. True enough, his crimes are many. Well, this is not the place or time for hostilities. There's a time to put aside differences in deference to the deceased. And Loki joins uh, Thor and Frigg up on the stage and he's got his head bowed and he's, uh, you know, kind of, I don't know, praying or whatever. Even Asgard's walls seem weakened by his passing, says Thor, as though unable to support our glory beyond the morrow. Thou thinkest the realm in decline, says Balder. The embodiment of our vision, our purpose, our very reason for being is gone, Balder. We are greatly diminished, mayhap to the point of dissolution. Thou soundest so defeated, Thor. How could I be otherwise when none alive might achieve a fraction of Odin's magnificence? Be not so certain, brother, says Loki. Loki, if thou wouldst presume to take Odin's throne, says Sif, I might seek to lead, but know well none of ye would follow. The mantle of leadership is a weighty one, as thou didst recently discover, Sif. There is but one who can lead us, says Balder. Aye, Balder, the only one under whom Asgard can prosper. Say it not, says Thor. But thou art prince, tis thee who must lead us. Aye. I am unfit, says Thor. It is not for me to do so. And he goes uh, stalking off, and <laughs> Balder says, Not for thou? Tis exactly this for which Odin groomed thee. Aye, long ago I knew it was thee who captured our father's shine, who was his choice to succeed him, says Loki. And Thor's thinking about it, and uh, quiet for a second, he says, For years my father subjected me to one test after another, all that I might learn to lead. But my devotion to Midgard and the ways of mortals disappointed him always. Properly so, it seems. And as I suffer the wrenching sting of his death, my spirit is weaker. Thus, until another is found, my father's throne must sit empty. And we get a close-up of Odin's throne, and his uh, scepter is sticking up at a not very subtle phallic angle. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and that is it. That is Thor number 41, and we will be talking about this issue right after this message. The Fantastic House is your guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of Comics. Each week, Steve Lacey and Andy Leyland cover each issue spin-off, 
guest appearance and cameo of Marvel's first family. And in 2019, we begin our journey through the neon decade, the 1980s. Join us as we cover... All-time classic runs from John Byrne and Walt Simonson. She-Hulk and Sharon Ventura join the Fantastic Four. The Invisible Girl No More, here comes The Invisible Woman. Spin-off series including Marvel 2-in-1 and The Thing. Marvel's Secret Wars, The Trial of Reed Richards and more. Find us at thefantasticast.com on iTunes and all other podcast services. The Fantasticast. Insert catchy tagline here. Wait, what? And we're back. And of course, we have a few thoughts to give you about the issue. First of all, I'm going to talk a little bit about the story. So Odin is dead for reals this time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's about as believable as any other death in comics. At least this time we see the body, kind of. Uh, but uh, so whatever has happened to Odin, we know he'll be back. You know, that's just the, what they do in comics. But at the time, it probably seemed awfully damn real. Um I don't know why, because they're actually just kind of copying what happened in the Simonson run and this whole Odin dies and somebody has to take over story is kind of old at this point. But um, yeah, it's kind of a trope in the Thor series. So I guess I'll just kind of accept it on that level. And basically, there's not a lot going on in this issue other than Odin's dead. Oh, my gosh. And running around with uh, chickens with their head cut off. Um, the artwork generally is pretty good. It's less detailed than we had in the last couple of issues. I think probably we're getting a little bit less detailed pencils here from uh, Stuart Immonen. But what we get is glorious. I mean, as always, the, the thing that, that Immonen draws really well are people's expressions and, and faces. And it, everything looks really, really good. Some of the backgrounds, eh? kind of lacking and in fact i would say that there's really there's a lot of pages where there are no backgrounds or very very minimal backgrounds um, but where we get backgrounds they look great um, again you know Stuart Immonen, great penciler love his stuff um, he does a lot of good work with light and shadow and that's really apparent i think there's a couple of pages where that's really obvious page 24 is one of them which is where loki makes his appearance and we, we get some interesting uh, differences of, of shadow on, uh, we have the scene here where we have Curse and Jake Olson and Sif, and we've got Hogan in the foreground threatening Loki, and the, the light actually shines off a little differently from him because he's standing more forward. There's some wonky bits as well. We do have that weird stick on finger uh, the Thor has in, in one panel. We got Scourge and the Enchantress. Enchantress is still wearing Snowbird's hat, which sucks. But uh, I guess that's just what she wears now. Scourge's hands look really small. I mean, I mean Donald Trumpian small. <laughs> so I don't know. His costume has also changed since he died, which I thought is interesting. He's got these weird, huge pirate boots. I don't remember him having anything quite like this before. I notice he's still carrying the machine gun that he was firing when he uh, ended up getting uh, you know, swallowed up by Hela's army. I thought that was pretty interesting. I think I found an error in the story itself. I think uh, Dan Jurgens kind of forgot the way Hell works. And my impression is that Scourge ended up in Hell, which makes perfect sense. Yeah, because he was swallowed up by hell, blah, blah, blah. But but here he's saying in the story that Hela dragged him out of Valhalla. Valhalla is not Hela's realm. 
So I don't see how she could have done that. So I think I think we have an error here. Um, you know, Valhalla, of course, is Odin's realm. Now, Odin was doing something else, but I still don't think that Hela really has that kind of power in Valhalla that she could forcibly take Scourge out. I think it, it makes more sense if you keep in mind that Scourge was in Hell and, you know, in, in Niflheim itself rather than in Valhalla. And that makes more sense from the story purposes as well. So I, I, I think that that's probably what happened. And, and maybe they misspoke saying the came from Valhalla or maybe he's lying. Maybe he's trying to make himself sound better than he was by saying, well, yeah, well, I was in Valhalla, not hell. <laughs> yeah. So maybe maybe he's bragging. I don't know. Um, I guess either is possible. But again, you know, I, I, the story is fine. The artwork is really good. The, the whole thing about Odin appearing in people's reflections and all that stuff, it's a little silly, I must say. I really do want to know how this death of Odin alert thing works. I don't think that Dan Jurgens really thought it through, but it's kind of weird to think that it's it's like the emergency broadcast system. <laughs> and it's kind of Odin dies and you get this beep and then it appears on everybody's uh, radar or everybody's TV. Um, that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, And I can understand you know, the magic users and all that. I understand Doctor Strange knowing, and I understand you know, some of the other people knowing who, who they show. But why the sack? Unless his axe has some sort of dead god power that just shows him when, when there's a god in trouble so he can go bother them. Um, that's not a power that we've actually had established. So it, it reeks to me of slightly sloppy storytelling is what it actually reeks to me of. But anyway, yeah, it's a nitpick and an otherwise fine story. But it's one of those things that I like to make fun of. So there, yeah. All right. So that is about it for this week, folks. Uh, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. We really will be moving along next week and covering something else. But I thought that the end of Odin needed a cap. And I think that this issue made a fine cap. So that's where we're going to leave it off in Thor Volume 2 for a while. All right. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>